We're going to open in prayer. And we're going to roll a little video and then we'll get right to it. Father, we just, we just thank you. We thank you for, gosh, who you are and what you've done, Lord. Lord, that you've sent your son to die in place of us. And that death couldn't hold him down, Lord, that he was resurrected. says that one would die for many. And that's what Christ did. He died for us to take away the sins of the world, Lord. If we would just believe and confess. But I would just pray that just as you do, Lord, that our hearts and our minds are open to your word today that you've prepared us, Lord. Just as you've prepared your son to be a living sacrifice for us. Father, we thank you and we ask that we just be able to bless you. If we could just bless you and not worry about anything else. Today is a, a day of remembrance, but also a day of, uh, I think, the future, too. Um, so we're just going to start right with, uh, with my thoughts. So let's get rolling on it. Um, you know, I talked a lot the last couple weeks, just kind of the character of Jesus, about how he was uh, different than anything that I really expected. I always expected him to be like the, the Sunday school Jesus, you know, kind of passive, you know kind of non-aggressive, you know, the ones you used to do all the coloring on, you know, little, little sheets, and it's not at all how he was, you know, he was bold, and he was in your face, and he was compassionate, he was merciful, he was angry, he was everything that we have as far as emotion goes, but he didn't have any sin, so it's, it's hard for me to kind of grasp and really bend my mind around, so, um, you know, there are three questions, though, that kept going over in my head. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking, you know, is this what you're really having me speak about today? And then I realized that I needed to, to look at, at it all so I would know. So I'm going to share that with you. You know, we're talking about the resurrection today. You know, we're talking about, um, about this. Uh, was it really important that there was a resurrection? Um, is it important now and why? So those were the three questions probably I was thinking that I probably have thought about and pondered probably for all my, all my Christian life, you know. I've been a believer now for about uh, eight, almost nine years, you know. Before that, yeah, I got saved when I was 33. So before that, you know, I knew of Christ, but I didn't really understand. I didn't have the whole picture, you know. And plus, I didn't think there was a need for him. That's probably mainly, you know, I was living by my own set of rules, you know. So, um, but still, you know, I always wondered that, you know, why was he hung on a cross? You know, just like in Isaiah, you know, a lot of the scripture there was quoted from Isaiah 53. You know, why was he crushed? Why was he beat? Why was he bruised? Why was he spit upon, mocked, 
crushed for us. I mean, who would do that? You know, you might find a noble man that'll die for a friend, but how many of you are going to die for an entire world? I mean, that's an amazing thing, right? So, you know, I thought, if you hung on a cross for our sins, for our transgressions, why wasn't it enough that the Creator hung there by the created us that put Him there? And that's probably the hardest thing for me to, to understand as well as to imagine. Um, and I think this is probably the, the thing that dramatically affects me, probably is the, the fact that, you know, there's scripture that talks about you're supposed to carry your own cross. Well, the cross that Christ carried wasn't his cross. You know, it was our cross. And he hung himself on the cross for us. You know, and how isn't that enough? How isn't that enough? And it seems to me that it should be. But I'm going to tell you, you know, most of you guys know me. You know, I'm not a, uh, what's the new, the new word is metrosexual guy, you know. I'm not into fashion too much, you know, unless it's camel. <laughs> um, you know, I like to... I like to work really hard. I play really hard, you know. I'm, a, I'm more of a guy than anything. So when I when I look at this next word, you know, it's it's always been like a feminine, you know, and it's love. And I'm telling you, Jesus is love. I mean, he's love like you can't imagine. I mean, he's the toughest person you guys know. And he's the most compassionate and merciful person that you've ever met. Times a hundredfold. Times a thousand. I mean, infinite. As big as the universe is, it's bigger than that. And I don't even know how much bigger it can be than that. But it's bigger than that. Um, you know, his love doesn't have any boundaries. It can't be contained. And it cannot die. You know, and, and how important is it? You know, I, I found a couple of scriptures that I'm going to share with you. First Corinthians 15:14. Uh, Paul's talking to the church of the Corinth, and this is how important the resurrection was. It says, "And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith." You know, our entire belief system is built upon this. The resurrection, if you don't have that, it's useless. So, you know, I just, I started to think, going thoughts in my head, you know, and I started looking at some of the quotes that I kind of save, and I found one that said that God will not let death win. Not then and not now. And I thought, wow, you know, that's kind of, kind of embodies it all, right? Um, so, you know, I like to read, you know, I'm always reading something, um, I mean, I read a lot of books, you know. I could probably, I don't know how many books there are, but a lot. Um, but some of the books that I, I like to read uh, have nothing to do with, uh, with Christ. Um, but, you know, they're always really interesting, though, because I can find things in there that, I, that relate to it, though. And one of the things I like, I like history a lot. So I've been reading a little bit of um, alternative history. 
So it's kind of like a, what, like a civil war. Um, what if the supplies that the, that the uh, Confederates were waiting for actually got there in time instead of four days late? You know, what would the war look like? Uh, and I just finished one about Pearl Harbor. Newt Gingrich, you guys know him. Uh, well, some of you do. All you young guys probably don't. But anyways, uh, so Newt Gingrich did one on Pearl Harbor. And it's kind of interesting. He put uh, Yamamoto in charge of the whole operation instead of being a one-day event or invasion. It was a three-day invasion. So, you know, that, that and I just finished that. And I, and I started thinking, I'm like, what if Christ hadn't died on the cross? But, but even if he did that, what if he wasn't resurrected? And, you know, I started going through my head, you know, and things. Just think about the prophecy that wouldn't have been fulfilled. Um, just think about the doubt that maybe people would have because of that. Um, just think about the power the grave would have over Christ because the grave was more powerful than him, right? So I think that's really, really the, the thing is that he had to show that. He had to show that death couldn't hold him down. Just like the quote that said, God will not let death win. Not then, not now. Um, and what about this? If God had chose not to have a resurrection, how long do you think Jesus would have been remembered? You know? I mean, sure, the miracles that he did, you know, the people that he healed, you know, the sermons that he gave, the moral compass, as people describe it, that he was to a world. But to do something extraordinary, like hanging yourself on a cross, dying, and then resurrecting three days later, that's amazing. We're going to get more into that in a minute. But I think by conquering death, Jesus made the reversible, or I should say the irreversible, reversible. I spoke about that a little bit last week and a little bit uh, about that the week before. You know, and he, he does those things to show you that he's all-powerful, that he'll stop at nothing to impress that upon you. You know, I mean, I had a great... Uh, talk with Kathy today you know God will stop at nothing to impress his love upon you not one thing I mean he will not stop and he waits for you I love that he's he's in front of you he's behind you he's side beside you you can't escape him but just like a friend you know, you have to let him in. He waits for the invitation. I mean, he waits for the invitation for, from all of us. Um, there's this lady that, I, that I've been reading a little bit of her, uh, her work on just, you know, I, I, it's, it's theology more than anything, but her name is Dorothy Sayers, and she said, he did not stop the crucif crucifixion. He rose from the dead. God did not abolish evil. He transformed it. 
you know, he changed it. He took the worst of the worst, a crucifixion, saved for the worst of the worst. But then he transformed it into something glorious. And, you know, as I was going through this, I'm trying to think of examples, you know, where I can show it, you know. And I, and I found a couple. I found three. Um, a couple of them, though, happened before the, the crucifixion. So we're going to get to those first. Then we'll talk about after the crucifixion. So uh, one of them, though, is just right in your face. You know, it's the, it's the, um, the company kept on Skull Hill, you know, on Calvary, on Galgath, right? Um, it was the two criminals. And I'm going to read a, a little bit um, here. It's uh, Luke for, uh, chapter 23, uh, verses 32 through 43. So you guys get to listen to me for a second here. So it says, uh, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Finally, they came to a place called the Skull. All three were cr- crucified there, Jesus in the center, the other two on either side of him. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothing by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders laughed and scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's chosen one, the Messiah. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine and they called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A signboard was nailed to the cross above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed and he said, Messiah you are, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested and he said, don't you fear God even when you are dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds, but the man, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And when, when he said this, Jesus said, or he said this to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. You know, it's so clear. You know, I'm a, kind of a black and white guy, you know. Uh, my wife would say a legalist. <laughs> you know, I'm not very passive on a lot of things, you know. Um, but the pain that Jesus is suffering here isn't enough to stop him from showing how much he loves us. And no matter what situation that you might find yourself in, and, you know, for me, I have to realize that nobody else put me in that situation but me, you know. And that's just not 90% of the time or 50% of the time. It's 100% of the time, you know, good or bad, you know. But through all of his pain, through all of his suffering, the weight of the world on his shoulders, literally every sin that you have on him, he still has enough time to take a criminal hanging on a cross next to him and allowing him into the kingdom of heaven. And I think the unfortunate thing is, though, is that only one criminal took him up on the offer. And Jesus gives a salvation call all the time. And at this time, one criminal says yes. The other one, no. The other one just remains silent. 
That's a tough thing about love, you know. Jesus' love is extraordinary. He gives it to ordinary people, though, like us. Then he gives us that choice. I wish he didn't give us the choice. <laughs> you know, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Um, but I think it's really cool, though, because at that moment, he took the, the irreversible, the sin that put the criminals on the cross, and he made it reversible. You know, paradise for one and not for the other. The other example that are that are really um, really hits home with me, you know, is is in the Last Supper. I think the coolest thing about it is Jesus is surrounded by his friends, by his disciples, you know, people that he hung out with for three years. How could you not know these people intimately? They followed him everywhere even when he didn't want to be fouled. You know. um, but we're going to focus on Peter and, and Judas. Um, both followers, followers of Jesus, but also both at, at one point turned their back on him. So I'm going to read uh, Matthew 14, 27. And it, it might go, it might be 28 too, I'm not sure. But anyways, um, all of you will desert me, Jesus told them. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never. Jesus goes on, though, to tell him that he's going to deny him three times that very night. And he dies. He turns his back on him. Then in John uh, verse, or, uh, chapter 13, verse 21, now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit and he exclaimed, the truth is, one of you will betray me. Then I skipped down to verse 26 and it says, Jesus said, it is the one who I give the dip bread and sauce. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas, Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. And I think it's really interesting to point out though is that just like the criminals, they both turned their back on God at one point. Just like the criminals, though, one asked for repentance. He accepts the gift of life that Jesus offers, and the other one doesn't. And the one that doesn't ends up hanging himself in shame. You know, if anything, what this week has done for me, though, is it, it's brought light to the fact that I have to have compassion with the friends that I know that aren't saved. You know, if it takes a picture of Jesus on a cross and two criminals, one that's going to go to heaven and one not, to get it through my head that I have to have compassion for my neighbors and my friends that aren't saved, then that's what it's got to be. And maybe that's why he did what he did. It's just so that we would just remember. You know, Peter takes the offer and he spreads God's word until he was martyred. Gosh, what a powerful thing. You know, you guys are invested with God's word to take to people that don't know it. 
You know, again, irreversible and reversible. Um, you know, I would think that just right there, that would be enough. You know, but for God, it's not, you know. He's got to prove that love will conquer it all. It said that after Jesus rose from the dead that he visited with 500 people, 500 separate accounts, you know, 500 people that actually saw him. But I get to talk about just the ones that I like because <laughs> you guys don't have the microphone and I do. So, And I like the ones because it's about their friends because I, I find the humor in it. So uh, just imagine, you know, this, this is probably one of my favorite, and it involves a girl, because <laughs> I can just imagine Kristen doing this. You know, Jesus dead, you know, tore up as all can be, crying. She goes to check on him three days later. Tombstones rolled away. She goes in and looks, and he's not there. She's walking away sobbing, and Jesus sneaks up, because I can just see him sneaking. I mean, you'd sneak up too if you were him, right? He'd just appear. And he says this, why are you crying? Now, that's pretty funny. I mean, why wouldn't she be crying? Savior of the world, you know? They put all their eggs in one basket. It was his basket, you know? And then Jesus said, hey, why are you crying? And her response was, Rabbi. When she realized who it was, teacher. And she just didn't say, teacher. Was, I mean, you can imagine a girl... I mean, just screaming it out. I mean, I can. And in John twenty twenty one, you know, uh, all the disciples, they're gathered, right? Except Judas. They're all gathered behind closed doors. They say, it says closed locked doors. They're hiding. They're afraid of the mob, you know? Think about it. These were the disciples. They're following Christ for how long? Three years, right? So they're linked to Christ. So the penalty that Christ paid, now they want to see it paid by his disciples. So they're in hiding behind a locked door. And Jesus, it says, he appeared. So he didn't knock, ask to come in. He just appears. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. <laughs> I just think that's awesome. I mean, peace be with you. Not, hey, I'm back. Peace be with you. But he was back. Instantly, he appeared. And in John uh, chapter 20, 22 and 23, he gives them the Holy Spirit after the cross. This is a big deal, you know. The resurrection had to happen just for this. It says he breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you refuse to forgive them, they are unforgiven. I mean, that, that's such a big turning point for me, you know, for you. I mean, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit given out to you. It's, it's just awesome. And how about this? Because I'm one of these guys. I'm a doubting Thomas, right? I think probably a lot of us probably are to some extent over whatever. You know, same, same uh, chapter of John 20. It's just verse 27. Jesus says, put your fingers here and see my hands. Put your hand in the wound of my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. You know, he goes on to tell people that those who, who 
believe without seeing are blessed, you know. Yeah, then in John 21, 15 through 16, the same Peter that ran away, that denied Christ openly, he's the same one that Jesus said, take care of my, my lambs, take care of my sheep. He entrusts his followers to the same guy, the same guy that, that had to seek the repentance, the forgiveness. I mean, that's a powerful statement. And God just waits for you. He waits for you just to ask. I think the main reason why that, that, uh, that God had to do that was he had to erase all the doubts and all the fears. You know, if death would have kept him down, if he wasn't resurrected, there would have still been that question mark in their head. And maybe they wouldn't have been able to be bold like Christ was. He said to follow and do the things that he did. I mean, he did everything so boldly. By reversing that irreversibility, though, it gave them the, um, the faith and the belief to carry the message of the cross out into the world. I mean, this is where they changed the world. This is where you guys change the world. You know, I, I think it's really cool when a new believer's testimony is passed on so quick. You know, you know, I was talking to Kathy about this, you know, about you know, the whole talent parable where, you know, the master gives his slaves a certain amount of money. And, you know, the one turns it into a profit like 30 times over. The second one, 10 times over. The last one, though, buries it in the ground because he's afraid that he's going to lose the master's money. You know, So think of that as your faith. What if you buried your faith? And that's what Christ is trying to get at. And I think that's why he had to do what he did. So I'm going to quote this, uh, this old priest. This was uh, back, you know, when priests actually used to have to fight, <laughs> you know. Um, and this guy was supposed to be pretty seasoned, and, and, and he says, There are dozens of ways to deal with evil and several ways to conquer it. All of them are facets of the truth, that the only ultimate way to conquer evil is to let it be smothered within a living human being. When, is it, when it is absorbed like a sponge or a spear into one's heart, it loses its power and goes no further. The healing of evil can be accomplished only by the love of individuals. A willing sacrifice is required. I don't know how this occurs, but I know it does. And whenever this happens, there is a slight shift in the balance of power of the world. You can imagine what the, the shift in power when Christ died on the cross and when he was resurrected. If one person can affect the balance of the world... Imagine how Christ affects the balance of the world. Every time that somebody gets saved, um, glorifies him, shows compassion in him. I mean, the world might have an upper hand in numbers, but who's really got the upper hand? You know, it's, he's just waiting for his time. So I'd like to, uh, can you put that uh, that picture up. 
So you might have to dim it a little bit just so I can make my point. So you guys know uh, April uh, Russell. Uh, she is the artist that is usually here. And this has kind of been her, um, well, how long has it been, Kristen? Like a year or so? Three years she's been working on this? Wow, she's been working on it for a long time. So, you know, I, what I, my mom was an artist, you know, so I used to get drug over to a lot of different art, art museums. And one thing I can tell you is, though, she always had me look at it and give me an interpret, or give her an interpretation of what I was looking at. So when I look at it, you know, you know, you, you can see two different things there, at least what I see. What I see especially is the, whether it's bob wire or thorns or it's a tattoo on her arm and how as it gets closer to the crown of thorns that you can actually see the dimension of it. It's not two-dimensional anymore, it's three-dimensional. So as it gets closer and closer to the crown, it's more and more real. It's, you can touch it, right? It hasn't faded. So imagine that right there. Christ hanging on a cross. And instead of her taking it off, she's actually putting it on. And the, the thorns on her arms, those are the scars from our lives. And they cover us all. You know, what I see there is that everything else from her feet up has all been covered because she finally realizes that if she can just give all that over to Christ, that it'll all be healed, that the blemishes will all go away, that the scars that hold us down and the pain that they cause mentally, usually not physically, are gone. She's passing off her sins to him. And the thing is, is he's leaning forward to accept it. She doesn't have to climb up on a cross herself. She doesn't have to get a ladder to get to him. Christ leans down and he accepts it. I mean, that's love. That's that mushy love that guys don't like to talk about, right? But that's what Jesus is. That dude's tough as nails. He's compassionate and he loves us. I think on that day of the cross, you know, it just shifted. The irreversible became reversible. And uh, I'm just going to read what I wrote here so I don't miss anything and I put uh, love wins his love wins for us but we are required to do one thing the word says that whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in the heart they're saved it says that no one goes through the father except through the son I mean his word is true his message is true. Everything in here is true. The only way to spend an eternity with God is through Jesus. They call him the Christ or the Messiah. 
to get to heaven, you have to believe in the depths of your heart and you have to say it, that Jesus is Lord, right? And I think this is the easiest and the hardest thing to understand is it's to realize that there's not one thing that you can do to earn it as he offers it as a gift. Not one good thing, not one good deed. He just offers it to you under his own free will. The sin that makes us all ugly can be washed away just like that. I think that's the, my, probably my favorite part. We get all the scars removed. The ugliness that is over top of us is removed as soon as we confess his name. You know, so I think God wants to provide you with a a bold legacy. You know, look at all these kids that we have here. I mean, we have lots of babies. I mean, some of us have more than one <laughs> that come at one time. Right? But once confessing, once knowing God as your Savior, Jesus as your Messiah, you know, then you can go forward and you can change the world and you can do it boldly. Not like the I'm not going to say Sunday school Jesus because what they teach is way different than what I was learning. You know, um, and it's so important. So that's my challenge for you guys. Um, if he's not your savior, you know you have to invite him into your heart. You know, the the alternative isn't any good. And it has to be in the depths of your heart. So, Jesus said uh, to do three things in remembrance of him. He said to baptize. He said to wash each other's feet. And he also said to, uh, to break bread and drink in remembrance of him. So I do okay on the baptized part. The only feet I've ever washed are my wives. Not maybe my kids. Yeah, because they get a bunch of food on them and you got to wash them. Or you don't want the dirt running through the through the, the carpet, you know, so you got to wash them too. So, okay. So there's like there's like seven or eight people that have washed their feet. Um, and, but they're all related. So that's going to be another sermon that we're going to do. But the third thing, though, is, you know, just like I said, it's communion. Um, it's realizing that um, that there's a new covenant that God's formed. You know, it, it, during our youth, we talked about that. That communion is exactly that. It's taking away the the blood sacrifice that was required because Jesus took it for us. He's the last blood sacrifice that's needed. Um, so, uh, saying that, I'm going to have you guys. Uh, well, that's right. We we have to eat on the we have to eat on the wood floor. So I'm going to read some scripture. And then uh, the worship band's going to come on up. And they're going to play for us a couple songs. Um, I encourage you to do, do something, though, too. You know, I always use my dad as an example when I talk to people about this, you know. That there was a lot of years that my dad would go to church a couple times a week. Or a couple times a year. Um, 
And when communion came up, it was usually during those two times, you know, and he just, he felt he wasn't good enough for God. He didn't understand what God had done. And he also understood, too, that it was something that was, that was holy, you know, that was cherished, you know. So he would never take communion. And I always saw it. And that's what was holding him back was that. He felt like he had to get right with God before he could take it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, too. But I also think that there's something um, about letting his body and his blood wash us clean. That if you're waiting to, to follow Jesus Christ when you're perfect, you're going to be waiting until you go right to the grave. Because there's no way. So there's some things that you just don't need to wait on perfection for. I think this is one of them. So I'm going to read in Matthew uh, chapter 26. I think it's funny too. He says, as they were eating. So like, this is perfect for my family because we always say grace, you know, before we chow. Bailey especially. He's like the grace Nazi. I mean, he's on you. Yeah, if you forget, my boy is reminding you. It's awesome, right? But he says, as they were eating. So Kristen, when all those kids, when they chow on a, on a bite of pizza or whatever, before we pray, right here, as they were eating. They actually have an out. <laughs> so Jesus took a loaf of bread and he asked God's blessing on it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take it and eat it for this is my body. And he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to them. He said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which seals the covenant between God and his people and it is poured out to forgive the sins of many. So whatever it takes for you guys to, to get right, to, to take communion, you know, get where you have to be, but realize that God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Know that him dying on a cross and suffering and still having the love to, to allow a criminal into heaven is amazing. And you know that criminal wasn't perfect, but he did confess that he was God. So I think that's all God is looking for. He wants you to confess but he's not looking for perfection. So on this day, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that you guys will be bold. Father, I thank you for the journey that you've taken me through. Thank you for revealing yourself more and more to me as I read and I learn about you like the conversation I had today that I can read things four or five times and finally I get it. And I don't know how I missed it, Lord, and I just pray that that the perfection that we try to achieve, that we're not overshadowing what your blood and what your body did for us, Lord that it's covered all the imperfections that we have. That we just transfer all of our sins and transgressions, Lord. We give them to you and, and you take them. You take them out of love. Lord, 
can never begin to imagine what it takes to, to die like you did and for the love us as much to come back. And I just thank you. I thank you that you've given us something to follow, something to believe in, something to carry out, not just to be good people, but to be children of God. All right, just pray that you would just to arm ourselves with your word, Lord, that we would be bold just as you were, that we would change the hearts and minds of those around us, and we would use it as few words as possible. Especially, Lord. I thank you that you loved us that much. In Jesus' name.
whether she's taking it off or whether she's putting it on. And I think from hearing Chris's message today, she's putting it on. None of us can have Jesus without we put the crown on his head. As horrible as that sounds. And he leans forward and he takes it. And, and the crown of thorns, it's a thorn for all of our stuff. Every single thing that God needs to take away is in a thorn somewhere. So if there's anything at all that the Lord brings to your heart today, think of it as a thorn in that crown and just I, just put it right up there on his head because that's what he came was to take that thing from you. So as you go out today, be blessed, be joyful, understand that when Paul said that without the resurrection, your, your hope, your faith is, is worthless. But there was a resurrection. There absolutely was a resurrection. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is that when the time comes, that we'll be resurrected just as he was. All right? God bless you all so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.